This is the Band School Podcast, where we talk about business adventure and mission with your host, Buddy Rathmel. Welcome, listeners. Uh, today, I have an exciting uh, podcast for you. James Waters is the director of Kingdom Impact Framework at Ido Research. He has worked as an international development consultant and previously completed his PhD on the resilience of slum dwellers in Uganda. Four years ago, he quit his job to pursue a passion of work and ministry coming together to create a way for kingdom organizations to measure and understand their social and spiritual impact. This has taken him all over the world, serving Christian development organizations and more recently developing a tool for kingdom businesses. He is passionate about community development and kingdom business done well and documenting that impact to give glory to God. James got married last year to his wonderful bride, Isabella, in the middle of the pandemic on a beach in Hawaii. He spent six months in Brazil last year supporting his wife's transition of a thriving mission base that she pioneered. They are now setting up home in the UK, unpacking flat-packed furniture and setting up their house as they're excitedly expecting their first child. James, That's welcome right. to the BAM School podcast. Thank you, buddy. Such an honor to be here. Yeah, great to have you. James and I have just recently connected um, we, uh, I think first connected at the BAM global Congress a few weeks ago and have been on some, uh, some of the same calls since then. And then we just had a catch up last week and, uh, I just wanted to invite him on to learn a little bit about measuring kingdom impact in the things that you're doing. And, uh, we're, uh, since there aren't very many people, I'm going to say James Watered is the leading expert in the world on this. <laughs> Because I don't really know anyone other than your firm that's actually doing this. Are there are there others out there that are actually measuring kingdom impact in an there, intentional there, there way? Are. Yeah. There are. Yeah, no, there are. Okay. Well, we're still going to call you the world's leading expert, Dr. James Fine. Waters, measuring <laughs> kingdom impact. So in one or two minutes, tell us your story of how you got to where you are right now. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. So, well, I, I gave my life to Jesus um, at university. Um, gosh. 12 years ago, where God just totally turned my life around um, and been following him wholeheartedly since. That's the starting point. But about four years after that, um, I spent a year living amongst the slums in Kampala, Uganda. I was there studying for my PhD, um, but God just really gave me a heart for missions there. I came back, um, wasn't even sure, honestly, I would finish my PhD. You know, my mom was like, are you even going to finish this thing? I was tempted to start a mission space in South Sudan. God just gripped my heart. So I spent a long time seeking God after I finished and saying, you know, God, is it, is it research or is it ministry? I started a couple of ministries at the same time. Uh, for a long time of fasting and praying, I heard nothing until I figured out, okay, it's both. And I was like, all right, Lord. And so I just, but what does this look like? And so I sort of, um, Took the next step, moved to London, worked as an international development consultant um, and ran mission trips on my evenings and weekends. Um, and then after a few years, God made it clear that I was to move on and follow this passion to help kingdom organizations. I was in, in working for a large engineering firm. But um, yeah, maybe as I'll explain a little bit, I really wanted to help these Christian missions development and then BAM organizations who I was discovering. So I quit my job and um, started the company, the Kingdom Impact Framework, and join forces with some great guys at IDO Research, and been working on that since. Cool. Um, so, tell jumping back a little bit, tell us what it was like 
working in the slums of Uganda and measuring their resilience. What what was some of that like for you? Oh, it was one of the best years of my life. Um, just so formative in so many ways. So, so I I honestly didn't know how to kind of I was young in my faith and didn't really know how to integrate faith into what I was doing. Um, back then, but my research was about the determinants of resilience in slum dwellers, um, and I just I just had the privilege of I of, uh, lived in a little NGO um, that was kind of in right in the slums. I was the only foreigner um, that I ever really saw there, um, and then I would just spend most of my days in three specific slums that I was studying. I learned the local language. Um, it just yeah, it just became a, a formative year both as god kind of gripped my heart um to see the darkest places transformed um by the best development practice and by the supernatural presence of god um but but also just learning and 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 yeah and 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 then god just just kind of gripping my heart for missions as well as i started to sort of see him move through what i was doing there i started a little discipleship group on a friday night and i think guys had come into the kingdom and probably had and then the next week they'd be stinky of alcohol again and it was just a it was a messy and wonderful wonderful year where i learned a lot with jesus that's cool that's really cool yeah i think anytime you put yourself out there like that um you know you just like one of my podcast guests says when you when you jump into that kind of arena you're creating a space for god to show up and fill you know you're just you're just jumping in and saying okay god do something here um you know but we we want to talk today about um, being a little bit more intentional about that so how what first piqued your interest in measuring impact yeah so it was i mean i was kind of doing it in my day job right because i was then working as a um, development consultant uh, and i sometimes joke you, you don't get money from the rockefeller foundation twice without sending them a hefty report it's just Big development organizations spend 10% of their budget on monitoring and evaluation. You don't get the money again unless you show them this was the impact. And so it was this combination of like frustration and inspiration. Um, and I think frustration can either lead to bitterness or submitted to God can be a holy source of motivation. Uh, and so the frustration was seeing so many Christian ministries I knew of and loved have great vision, great heart as you know, even part of some of them, uh, but just have very little or no strategic plans in place for achieving impact, uh, let alone knowing that they were having it. And, you know, I was reading the textbooks on let's make sure people are out of poverty long term. Let's really make sure we're not, you know, our helping isn't hurting. And then the inspiration um, came from actually seeing the world doing it. And so I was, I was in more of the nonprofit space, but I was watching social impact investing take off. I was seeing metrics like the IRIS metrics be developed, really a whole movement, it get, in my opinion, in part get catalyzed by showing investors this is the impact. And so you had kind of a common language forming. The sustainable development goals were becoming more normal for people to understand what they are. You had um, tools like uh, B Corp, um, where, where businesses can certify get certification, that, that was starting to take, uh, take um, you know, traction. And I started to meet Christian impact investors and think, you know, what is the kingdom version of this? And then you had the fantastic work of, of Mars Corporation, who did this amazing research 
um, actually a Christian economist who used the biblical economics of Jubilee in part as his theory to show that businesses who focus on putting people and, pl and planet um, and purpose first do better economically. So I had this frustration and then this inspiration. And I basically asked the question, why is this, why is this not happening in the Christian ministries and, and, and business world that I know? If the world can do it, so can we. And, and, and we can, sh you know, what does it look like to measure kingdom impact? You know, even if it's hard, like that's not a reason to not um, tackle the problem. Yeah, that's great. So going back to the Mars study or, yeah. or whatever they did, what were what were some of the things that he um, picked out as, you know, those specific best practices that would lead to um, that greater profitability? That is a great question. Um, well, they they actually. I, I'll, I'll struggle to answer that one, but they. What I will say is they. Um, there was a whole book, The Economics of uh, Mutuality. And there's, there's another book, I forget the name, I'll, I'll give it to you afterwards. Um, but it was more actually this kind of meta study of hundreds, if not thousands of businesses. So it was not so much, here's the specific thing that different businesses are doing, but it was more the businesses that put people and planet and purpose first. You know, so, so it was yeah. more this like, this is working, not just as like anecdotes, but right. this is working like across the board. And that's, and that's why it was, you know, and that's why it was really quite quite brown groundbreaking yeah yeah that's really cool i think a lot of times we see the exception of not putting one of those first and it gets highlighted or whatever like steve jobs being a jerk and so young people trying to be a jerk to get the most out of their people and um yeah there's there's better ways of doing things and i think absolutely you know when you like when all of those things impact culture, you know, if you know that right. you're, if you know you're dumping pollutants into the river, you don't feel good about coming to work. Or right. if, if you know that somebody's not being treated well, or, um, or you're, or work, probably the common situation that I hear the most is my boss is a jerk. Right. And so like productivity is going down and whatever that means, my boss is a jerk, but it's unhealthy relationship probably no matter what. So, um, seeing that, yeah, it makes a huge difference. So some of these but things I mean, like, go ahead. Well, let me just, I, I sort of, some examples came to mind. So forgive me for jumping in, but yeah, so they're great examples. I guess the other ones just to kind of make this a bit more real, you know, on the environment side, obviously it's, it's companies having really, uh, firm environmental policies, like taking climate change seriously, knowing their environmental Im impact, knowing their climate impact, you know, that being more than just greenwash socially, as you said, like it's you, you can't you can't hire a decent millennial now or Gen Z even for that matter for without being a company with a with a purpose, with a social purpose. Um, and so it would be, you know, what, what are we about more than just making profit? So it was businesses that really like communicated that um, businesses that looked after their employees, as you mentioned. So, so like a suite of things that would look different in different contexts, but like primarily was around the shift that we're not just about maximizing profit for shareholders, yeah. we're about maximizing value for our stakeholders, which right. one of the most important ones of which are employees. Yeah, that's great. So it's, I, you know, it's pretty, well, I want to say it's pretty obvious. It, it can be obvious to measure some of 
the business metrics, you know, of sales and profitability and, you know, those things, although they are, they do get a little bit squirrely um, depending on if the owner is measuring profitability or someone seeking to buy a business or the IRS. Like we all have different uh, definitions of profitability in the midst of that. So I imagine, and culture is a little bit the same. Like you can do tests that say, yes, you do have a healthy culture or no, you don't. Um, and maybe here's some things you can do to fix that. How, how do you measure those, those same type of things for the spiritual impact side, the discipleship impact, the societal impact? Yeah. Yeah, Great question. So I guess I first will kind of take a step back and say, you know, if we could measure anything, like let's say it was possible to measure anything. What is spiritual? What is impact in the spiritual realm? Right. And so, we kind of looked at the Bible and there's not going to be a perfect answer to this because none of us have perfect theology, right? You know, it's like saying, what is the kingdom of God? But just a, here's a few things that, that we kind of gleaned. Well, first of all, Jesus talked a lot about, the, you know, the kingdom of God is like the sort of the, the, the environment, the culture of, you know, for example, Romans 14, 17, righteousness, peace and joy. He also talked a lot about all the Bible, you know, all through the Old Testament talks about how we treat each other that we have a duty of care for those around us to love one another, to make disciples, even in the workplace, uh, and to protect the poor. And then ensuring our interactions are righteous. Um, and then, of course, that what a spiritual impact looks like. It looks like individuals thriving, shalom, John 10, 10, life of the fullness, and ultimately people getting close to Christ. So what, how, how do we measure that? Um, as you said, we, we took a kingdom lens on culture and said, look, if, if, if businesses can measure culture, we just need to, you know, take a kingdom lens to that. And so people's experience of not just kind of some lofty kingdom vision, but these values that, that might not be obviously like <laughs> out of the Bible, but are your kingdom values and in terms of the way people are being treated, are people experiencing those? And then in terms of the kind of, personal impact um in the, i'd say this in the same way as we didn't used to think that you could measure more than just someone's income to measure their poverty so we've got better at measuring people's holistic well-being including their spiritual well-being and so we have to think about that really carefully in different contexts make sure you don't ask someone that doesn't want to be asked about their faith about their faith all those sort of things but ultimately it's about asking the right question to see hey are these people uh, experiencing a culture of the kingdom and their hearts being awakened to um, to the, the values of the kingdom and even feeling like um, they're getting close to God? Yeah, cool. So this Does might that make be a sense? Little, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But maybe to make it even a little bit more clear, and this might be too yeah. granular for the podcast, but no, what would go. be an example question that you might ask to elicit valuable feedback sure um so we have kind of the way that we've made this tangible is we've sort of developed 10 building blocks of what we can call a kingdom company so one of those would be rest and rhythms and we would just ask people overall right now how rested do you feel you know and ask questions about um their their healthy lifestyle but it would also be questions around their calling and creativity you know do you find god-given purpose at work um around it would be around um gosh i'm 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 digging deep here uh what what else um 
rest of rhythms, calling in creativity, um, yeah, caring for people. Purpose, yeah, care, yeah. yeah. Vision and values. Do you experience the vision and values? Do you, do you see how your role is connected to the vision of this company? Are you motivated by the vision of this company? Um, then in terms of caring for people, you know, do you feel supported? Do you feel celebrated here? Um, even then, if appropriate, sharing the hope. So now I'm, I'm, I'm back in the flow. I lost it for a second. But, uh, do you, you know, sharing the hope, like, um, do you feel encouraged spiritually working here? Do you, is, this a, is this a place um, where those, you know, where you feel free to have those conversations? I could go on. Do you feel threatened by leadership? Do you feel served by leadership? Um, and what's fascinating is just on, on, on some of the companies we've looked at already, and obviously we don't share this beyond them, but, you know, for example, one just recently, I think that I think the leadership would have known this. They are thriving. They are crushing it in terms of what they're doing uh, as an amazing startup. Like, I mean, social impact, tens of thousands of people. But they probably would have said this. All of their employees are like, our leaders do not model a healthy work-life balance. I do not see them, you know, going to church outside of work. I don't see them. And like, Maybe that was too far, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an extreme example. And, yeah. and, so the, and so then what happens is they don't see that culture modeled. Guess what? The leaders were knackered, but even more so the employees were like, I just, you know, that, that lower score on feeling, on feeling rested. Um, and, and ultimately, I guess, you know, you could translate to sort of feeling peace. So you, there might be a season for which you can endure that. But as a company, you're not going to be able to, you know, keep really great employees at that level of 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 of, uh, of tiredness for long. Yeah, for sure. I remember once specifically for Steve Jobs hearing somebody talk about he was like, yeah, this working with Steve Jobs for three years and his intense schedule and all that stuff. It was thrilling. It was like the most three thrilling years of my life. And then the interviewer asked a follow up question. He's like, well. I did lose my marriage and my kids in that three years. And it's like, right. yeah, because you don't have the balance. And a lot of times a company, you know, you can have a thrust or you can have a, but, but it does need to be a rhythm. Like, okay, yeah. then we're going to back off for a bit. You know, yeah. when I worked in corporate America, they were just getting into distribution. We worked for a fortune 250, And when, when they were ramping up their distribution and shipping, and this was like 98, um, uh -huh. they were like, okay, no one is allowed to take vacation from, you know, whatever it was like the middle of this month to the middle of this month. If you want to take vacation, do it now. And so my wife and I were like, okay, we, we like took a quick trip to Europe. Cause we're like, if this is the only time we can use vacation in the next three months, we want to, you know, we want to do it. But there was a, there was a rhythm to that. It was like, okay, full uh -huh. on for, for, you know, six, eight weeks. And then we're going to back off, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, and that's great for that company to see that feedback and then go, okay, here, how do we make changes? Where yeah. did they receive that? What, like, if you had that next level of conversation yet where you, they're making changes or is that still in process? Yeah, that's that's. I gave you a very live example. Um, yeah. So they they are in the process of receiving that, but they received it. Um, yeah. And so then, obviously, the question is, what do we do about that? Is that something we address now, you know, yeah. or, or, or or not? But I mean, another one that was quite exciting just recently, really simple. It was um, 
we don't go into as much depth on, on the kind of environment side, you know, but, but we do enough to just flag and immediately this fund just was like, yeah, you're completely right. It's, it's not, not been a priority, you know, and literally between the assessment and the meeting the next week, they were, they were writing up a, you know, a simple environmental plan. And so yeah. sometimes it's just, oh, you know, your employees care about this stuff. Um, yeah. uh, or, or even another one um, that, that um, we're just reflecting to, to a leader, hey, um, your people aren't aware that you're, you know, keen to create space um, for them to grow spiritually. And it's just like something that they, a value that they've kept to themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, when you know the the point is not like oh you should feel bad about it, but like you know you're you're sort of expecting spiritual impact without the and sort of these values actually remaining internal rather than like doing something about it. And it's it's not about becoming legalistic. It's just about I I think it's just about stewarding stewarding well. You know, let's just see what's 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 working and what's not. Um, and it just gives us the opportunity to be humble and learn. Yeah. Well, and when you when you make something explicit by putting it in writing, talking about it, putting it out there, all of a sudden, like you have a common language, you have a tangible sure. goal, you have something to measure against, like, is you know, um, or, you know, is it something we're going to measure against? Is it that big of an, you know, enough of a value? Yeah. Um, yeah and and I think then a wise, humble person is immediately going to take that feedback and make some changes on it. You know, I, maybe yeah. I should say a wise, humble and not overly stressed because so, sometimes yes. you have wise um, people that are in a busy season and they're just like, I can't handle this right now or, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I would. I, and, and I just love to jump in on that. So. The thing that I'm super encouraged by, I had a conversation just, just at the end of last week um, uh, by someone who, um, who leads a big, big movement or is part of a big movement in this space um, of, uh, of, of kind of kingdom businesses. And, and they said to me, you know, we're, we're awakening people to uh, integrating their faith at work. The really exciting things is many of these CEOs are going, that's great. I know I need it, but what now? You know, what's the next step? And so I really do feel like there's a there's a hunger um, and a desire amongst the, the BAM and the kind of, you know, wider kingdom business and investing community to do this. We just, we haven't really given people the tools to do it. It's like we've just expected all these kind of CEOs and entrepreneurs to, to both be kind of you know, phenomenal entrepreneurs and business people and the most phenomenal evangelists all at the same time, you know, whilst having time for their, their family and all the rest of it. And it's just, a, you know, about about kind of breaking that down a little bit and saying, hey, here's some ideas, here's some best practices, here's what another company's doing. You know, they're, whatever it is, employing a chaplain or celebrating um, their employees in this way. In, um, so, so, yeah, so I'm excited. Cool. So what would you see as some of the direct benefit of measuring um, either spiritual or social impact? Yeah. Um, great question. So I, I think the first one is that it enables people to feel listened to. It enables your people to feel listened to. You know, if, if you're the kind of leader, um, 
you know, if you purport to care about this stuff, then we just should be asking the questions. And even if the feedback is bad, it makes people feel heard, builds trust, and even shows that you love, you know, you love, you love and care for. So the second thing is, is kind of obvious, but you find out if you're having impact. Entrepreneurs can be some of the most impactful people on earth. I believe it, you know, a redeem, an entrepreneur who's, um, whose desires are submitted to God. Um, but also we have some of the biggest blind spots, right? And so, you know, let's not just talk about kingdom impact, but actually hold ourselves accountable. So that's the second thing. We actually find out, you know, what, what is going well amongst, amongst um, my people. Um, then obviously we get to learn and improve. Point three, if something isn't working, we can fix it. If something is, we build on it. Um, and then fourthly, and I'm passionate about this, is we get to showcase it to the world. Um, you know, I, I really believe that what's happening in the BAM movement and, and elsewhere isn't some, those stories shouldn't be kept within the movement. Um, uh, um, by measuring impact, we can actually demonstrate to the world that this stuff works. And I have examples of, of Christian organizations that do, do best practice impact measurement, show the world that they're having the same social impact on people's lifestyles. They get more funding. Um, they, break the stigmas of that, you know, the, these Christian organizations are weird and, uh, and they just show that we, we value excellence, you know? So, yeah, that's cool. So some of the benefits you talked about, you know, when, um, like you don't get money again, unless you show the impact, um, you can change things as you go. Um, yeah. Feedback of, if you're actually having the impact and probably for some, I would guess for some people, it's a little bit scary. Like you're going to come sure. back and say, you're not having the impact. You're a bad leader. You know, you need to change this. Obviously you wouldn't say it that way. Um, you know, but, um, I would guess some people are a little bit hesitant as they come, right. Or are people pretty sure. excited because they know they're going to get better from it? I think, you know, I was about to use the phrase that a horrible phrase, better the devil, you know, I don't mean that like, yeah. <laughs> but, but better the, better the weakness you know than the weakness you don't, you yeah. know? And so I think, yeah, it, it can be slightly scary, but I think only if, only if we're like afraid to change and improve, yeah. you know? And so none of this, none of this is about, um, this is just about learning. And I say, you know, we're, we're, we're in this because we want to, um, you know, see people's lives impacted, see societies impacted. So, um yeah like as i said we can we can build on our strengths we can knowing what's not working just I, I well i would rather know now than in 10 years time yeah for sure absolutely because it does it lets you course correct easier you know and um i was talking to my father-in-law last week and he he really regrets not meeting an uncle he walked by him um, once and he felt awkward. So he never talked to him and he's shared with me this regret three or four times, um, as he's 92 and approaching the end of life. And I, I asked him after the last time he shared, I said, do you have other things that you regret? And he said, oh yeah, thousands of things. And obviously we're, we have some regret and you know, we can focus on that or like you're saying, we can, we can make change now 
so that we don't have to have regret later. You know, we can, we, we can course correct in the moment, allowing us to do things better. Um, and then, yeah, we're better off. And, and the cool thing is there's ton, there's a load of research to say that both investors, donors, um, you know, that type of wider stakeholder actually increases their trust and gen- generally gives more money, not that that's what it's all about, but like quite often, you know, there's an investor involved, there's that type of stakeholder. When this stuff is communicated, even if it's bad news. Yeah. So there's evidence to show that if you tell investors, hey, this isn't going very well, but we're doing something about it. They'll be like, yeah. wow, wow. Because honesty builds trust, right? And you're like, and they're like, awesome. You're going to do something about it next year? Great. Yeah. You know. His, his, you know, we're, we're committed and, and there's tons of evidence to show that that's, 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 that's what happens because yeah. that's how we're wired as humans, right? So, um, what would be some best practices if you're, if you're trying to measure, um, some kind of spiritual impact, what are some best practices that should be in place in your company or organization? Um, great question. I, there's not a, the, the, the truth is there's not a ton of like best practice that's already developed. Okay. I mean, that's, that's partly why we kind of come up with the tool. Honestly, yeah. we said, look, let's, let's get something out there. But I would say, I would say start with something. So yeah. the first thing is define your impact. Yeah. So before even best practices of like perfect measurement or whatever, um, Define your impact. It might sound really obvious, but you generally don't tend to thrive financially as a business without a solid business plan. You're probably not going to tend to have um, significant social or spiritual impact without some kind of plan. So that that you know that might even offend some people. Gosh, a spiritual impact plan? Yes. Like yeah. get get it in prayer, but like write it down. You know, the Bible says write the vision down so that a herald might run with it. Like how many dreams in our hearts are not being fulfilled or we're getting the full backing of heaven because we're not writing them down. That's just yeah. how I interpret that scripture. But yeah. um, so, so I, so the, the first thing I would say um, as a, as quite a simple best practice is kind of have a, have an impact strategy um, so that you know where you're going. And then the next step would be kind of have some indicators that you can build off um, of what kind of success looks like. Yeah. Great. Um, and what tools have you developed at Ido Research and how do you use those to help organizations? Sure. Well, the, the, the first is that kind of impact strategy. We have a simple impact strategy model to help people think through that. But then the tool that we've just kind of, we sort of launched it at BAM, the BAM Congress actually, it was quite excited, is this Kingdom Impact Framework for Business. And so it measures these 10 building blocks um, of a company in terms of both culture and then well-being, asking both the employees um, and the leaders, um, we listen to we listen to people. It's a look, CEOs are busy, so uh, you know people are busy. So it only takes about nine minutes um, for an employee, slightly longer for a leader, um, and, and so it gives a holistic view um, of the internal kingdom health of the organization. Um, we've made it really quite easy to set up. So that's, that's the main thing that we're, we're excited to have launched this, this kit for business tool. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. And if our listeners want to contact you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you 
um, to learn more about your tools or your research or how they can have a greater impact in their business or organization? Yeah, great. Um, well, if you if you go actually just on IDO, so E-I-D-O research.com um, forward slash KFKF dash B, um, that's the that's the website of the tool. Um, and then right down there, you can you can actually book a consultation, uh, book a free consultation with me. Um, love to hear from people. Love to I just love hearing about what people are trying to do with their business. Um, love to help solve those problems. Um, and or even you know if people want to find out more about uh, actually using the tool as well. Yeah, great. So um, any I'm going to ask you one last question, but before I do, great. anything else that you would just say to people wanting to have an impact? Have you, is there anything that you didn't get to say that um, you would like to oh, say to people or do you kind of So it? much. I mean, the time's flown by. I, I, I feel like we're just getting started. Um, I, I would say, yeah, I would say don't be afraid of this um, because any information is just a tool to have greater kingdom impact. Data is not evil. Um, and that the Lord expects us to steward, parable of the talents. Um, and that's not a heavy thing, but we will, be, we will be asked to, you know, there will be a weighing of what we've done with our talents. Yeah. And I believe, that's, I believe that's as much in the spirit realm as it is the financial. And so, yeah, let's, let's, Let's enter this joyfully, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and kind of with an expectation that as we steward well, you will actually see even more fruit. Yeah. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is, is some, I get this, I get this quite a lot is surely that's just evil. You know, you can't, you can't count what God's doing. Um, and I would say this, yes, um, it is the Lord. It is the, you know, the Holy Spirit that brings any true spiritual fruit, but we wouldn't know that 5,000 got fed. We wouldn't know that 4,000 got fed in a different context. We wouldn't know that 3,000 got saved had someone not counted them and, uh, you know, someone not documented them. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I think, so. I think there was probably, you know, like it seemed like there was a season maybe where numbers were elevated too much and we just talked about the numbers right. and we made that the impact and we know that that's not true. No. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We do need right. to know the kind of impact that we're actually having and increasingly stakeholders want to know what, how is my dollar making a difference, whether it's an investment or a donation. Um, and I, I was talking to a guy last week and he was saying investors now are often willing to take a lower, actually lower financial investment. If they know they're going to have a greater kingdom impact with their investment. Um, that it's not just all about, oh, I want to, you know, I want to get the most I can out of this. It's like, yeah, I want to get the most out of I can globally, not just financially, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent hearing that happen. And uh, just to pick up that it's, it's all about, you know, stories and numbers. Uh, actually at the Congress, I shared this example. I discovered this recently. Um, so the two stories of the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. Fascinating, um, because it wasn't just the numbers that were documented. The numbers were documented, but as were the context. One was Jew, one was more of a Gentile context. As were the size of the baskets. One was small baskets, one were ginormous baskets of things left over. As were the inputs 
i.e. what the, you know, what, um, what was given into the kind of this miraculous story. In one case, it was, I can't remember, four fish and 10 loaves. In another case, it was, so all of this, you know, all of that story is richly documented, but as were the phenomenal, like miraculous outcomes, i.e. 4,000 or 5,000 people fed, both were different, but you've got the context. And so similarly, I'd be like, tell, you know, tell your investors, this is our company. This is our context. It's this hard, you know, all of that richness, but also don't be afraid to tell them, and this is the impact we're expecting, you know, yeah. and maybe you won't see this level of financial return because we are expected to see this sort of type of impact. So for me, it's, it's, it's both and it's both and in the Bible. Um, and yeah, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I completely agree. And the reality is when you do business well and you're taking care of culture and you're taking care of people. Yeah. There are times when it does cause a financial impact or you make something different. But usually it comes back to you and maybe even in a way that you don't expect. Like in the Hobby mm -hmm. Lobby story, when they closed on Sundays, they did not even fathom that all of a sudden they were going to get the best managers wanting to work for them because managers knew they were going to be have from Saturday night until Monday morning when there was going to be no phone calls, no right. one's calling in sick. Not, not, they knew they had 36 hours off at the very least, you know? Right. And all of a sudden they started getting really good managers and they thought they were going to be making a sacrifice and it turned into something that actually helped their business to grow. You know, that principle of honoring God with the Sabbath and it, it really did, you know, impact their business in a positive way. So James, my last question for you is what um, impact are you hoping to leave on the world? Oh, Tim, prepare me for that one. Um, <laughs> I'll cut. I'll uh, delete the, your thinking time when we. Uh, no, when I edit. That's let's go. Let's go. This is my life vision. That's awesome, buddy. Um, I mentioned earlier. I, I I truly want to see the darkest and the hardest places and problems transformed um, by the gospel and by the best entrepreneurial development practice. I believe it's possible. Um, the impact I want to have is to set up a platform that will help increase best practice in that area, will unlock an absolute explosion of capital into that as investors get excited by it, and, and that we would document um, the move of the spirit as, as it happens. Um, so yeah, that, that, would, that would be it. So this is kind of the first step for me. That's awesome, man. I'm so excited to see um, how God uses you and what you're able to accomplish over the course of your life. And I know that for sure, um, when we get BAM School up and running, we want to have you as a, a guest lecturer just to help us as we're thinking about the impact that we want to have through our own organization. So look forward to collaborating fun. with you in the future. Awesome. Bye, West Buddy. Thanks so much. Uh, for for the privilege of being on here and and blessings to all the listeners. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Bam School, facilitating a global self funding disciple making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the Bam School podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at forbam.com.